Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and I'm delighted to be backed. Backed? To be back once we're, again? We're backing you. Yeah, we've been back. Am I backed by you, Dom? Yeah, we're backing you all the way, mate. Okay, thanks. You've already spoiled my introduction. Sorry. Uh, we've survived the international break. You have as well, Dom. Nice to have you here. Nice to be here. And nice to have you back as well, Samuel. Nice to be back. How has the international break been for you both? The, fir- the first week was nice and that I wasn't working. And uh, I think after three days of working during the international break, I could have done with another week off. Was it a warm weather training camp for you, Samuel? It was, yeah. High yeah. Exhausting, yeah, yeah. double sessions, getting me ready for the new season, That's what cool. have you. Before, obviously before the form falls off the cliff, as it has done with yeah, United. Before trips to Kazakhstan can loom uh, large. Indeed. But, uh, Dom, I think I picked up an injury like the most of the United squad, so I'm uh, I'm laying low for a while. That's the best way to do it. Yeah. yeah, injuries is the best place to start. In terms of the before the international break, there were a couple of worries. Shaw and Marshall both missed the game against Southampton. You had Delow, Bay, and Fosu Mensa all long-term injuries, and then Pogba, Wambasaka, and Lingard all pulled out of their respective international squads. So uh, the news <laughs> is that they're all going to be missing really this weekend. Five key players out for United against Leicester. We'll get onto the preview of the Leicester game later on, but. Injuries this so early on into the season, Samuel. What, what what's gone wrong? Are they all just knocks and unfortunate luck for United rather than sort of wear and tear? With the impact ones, you yeah. can unless it's Eric Bay who just gets himself into those bad positions all the time. Uh, there is an element of lucklessness with it. With with Shaw, I was told that there was some there were some reservations about his fitness figures during pre season that he wasn't quite as up to speed as they yeah, hoped he would be. <laughs> I was told that before Lukaku decided to, to publicise the running stats as well, uh, which of course did not reflect well on Shaw at all, given that he was, was he second from last? Or I, think so. I, didn't, I didn't study them much. I think I was off that day and I came in. It was like Mat- was Matt, last, Shaw and Matic were at the, the, the back of the queue. Uh, so it, it wasn't altogether a surprise with Shaw, but of course it just shows a few injuries and it's, it's the Argo operation with, you know, and that they only have bad options and the best bad idea they might have this weekend would be a midfield two of Fred and McTominay though I think everybody expects it to be Matic and McTominay and Pogba has not been setting the world alight but as, as we've all suspected and all known if you just take him out of that midfield suddenly you've got a midfield that is bottom half of the table standard uh Fred's mentality, I think people might have seen this week, he, he decided to get a bit, quite a ostentatious new car. Um, I know it's different eras, different perceptions, what have you, he's free to do it, but given he's not even getting in, on the bench, it, it, it probably it's probably worth him keeping a lower profile than he is, but I just it just kind of feeds into the suspicion with Fred that he's not he's just not got the right mentality for it. Like he just thought he could go off and get married and United wouldn't wouldn't be worried about it. Thought, yeah, take two weeks off pre-season, no problem. Off you go. You had such a good season last season. So uh, they're they're obviously just encountering an awful lot of problems. But I thought before Solskjaer gave that injury bulletin that it would be a surprise if they beat Leicester on Saturday and it wouldn't be a surprise if Leicester win. And... I think that feeling has just been intensified following the uh, the injury news. I'll get onto our predictions later in the podcast. I might disagree with you on that one, but maybe that's devil's advocate. Who knows? But yeah, Dom, I guess the the main news is, I mean, 
maybe you take Lingard out of the equation. I know he's quite controversial and divisive amongst fans, but the injuries going into the game, there's at least four of United's strongest 11 missing in Wan-Bissaka, Pogba, Rashford, Marshall. I'd personally put Lingard in the best 11 when, when they're playing well and playing at their best. So that's half a, half a team, that's half your outfield players really missing. Uh, I guess as Samuel said there, it all comes down to the fact that in the summer they didn't recruit players to come in and yeah, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't cover the positions. They didn't create enough depth in their squad. Um, it's unfortunate for Solskjaer um, that these injuries have come so early and have come off the back of three disappointing results. Um, obviously, he set up. He set up at the start of the season looking like he wanted to keep a fairly settled side. I think he made just a couple of changes in the in the first four games to his team. And now all of a sudden his hand is forced. He's probably got to bring people into the team that maybe he doesn't uh, rate as highly. Like, I don't think... Uh, he's not been that keen to play in the Manu Matic, but as Samuel said, he's probably going to have to play. Fred, I feel, has to come into it. And I'm going to say this on every single podcast until he does come in. United are lacking a... a well, they're just lacking midfielders and he is a midfielder who costs £52 million. Well, you can't argue with... Well, you can argue with him. Yeah, you can certainly argue with his ability, but, um, you know, he, he came very highly rated. And then you've got the injuries in forward positions that United didn't need because they didn't replace uh, Lukaku or Sanchez. Martial's a big blow because I don't think... Um, I don't think Rashford's looking particularly confident down the middle. He's, he's spoken of having a, free, a freer role. So then you've got a lot of pressure on whoever's playing and uh, it, it's looking like Daniel James, a uh, 21-year-old who most of us have never heard of a few months ago, is shouldering the responsibility for United's goals, which is absolute... It's madness, really. I guess you want to be a, an optimist, Samuel. PSG away, there was lots of injuries. Oh, United yeah, very the, true. Yes. United did the unthinkable, really, and even... Maybe the Liverpool game leading up to it, and they, when, when they had all those players who went off in yeah, and they still held them to a nil-nil draw. It's not to say that the game's going to be a complete write-off, but it is, it's not only a chance for some players to, to stand up and, and take their chance, but it really is a, a moment to, for Solskjaer to see just how good some of these players are because you speak about leaders, he's already name-checked someone like Mata, Matic and Young could all come into the squad, but it just reeks of, like you said, a team that is maybe lower half. Yeah, I don't think they'll get thrashed by Leicester. Leicester haven't won at Old Trafford since 1998, I think it is. So, I think they won the last 16 games of United. Yeah, which was the, the 5-3 game under Van Gaal, which, I mean, United were the architects of their own downfall. It was a, yeah. it was a madcap game and they just they capitulated. So, as I said, I don't think they're going to get uh, tonking, but... It's just the fact that Leicester are seen as the the prime team to break into the top six, possibly the top four. I think inarguably they've got five players that would enhance United's first team, whatever that is. I'm sure some people would make an argument that more players on current five form... five would you pick for those who haven't seen? Uh, Chilwell, Ndidi, Tielemans, uh, Madison and Vardy. Is that five? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't think that's... That's really even a debate. And on current form, I mean, I can't remember how you pronounce his name, but they signed the Turkish international oh, yeah. last year. I played with them on Prova last year. It's, it's almost if they, so they prepared for Maguire to eventually go and he's had a year of betting in. He's come in this season and he's looked really good with Evans and 
watching Evans for Northern Ireland in the week, I thought he looked pretty assured. I know people, there's always this back and forth, like were, were United right to sell him? Were they not? I think they were. Just the fact that just because he's been playing well at clubs way down the food chain doesn't mean that yeah. it was a mistake to have sold him. Well, he'd been out of form for yeah. ages. Phil Jones went to a club yeah. smaller league. You can imagine he'd do quite well yeah. and the same questions would arise. But Exactly. And and similarly if, if Smalling starts, you know, keeping clean sheets with Roma, that question's gonna pop up again. We had it with Javier Hernandez that time because he was scoring goals in the league that by Leverkusen were never going to win or even challenged to win. So um but but that that is a worry that that is a goal in reality for United that a club like Leicester who, as I said, apart from that remarkable season where they won the league, they are lower down the food chain. Uh, they have foreign owners, but it just goes to show if you get your recruitment right, if you're pretty sensible about it. And you only have to look at their outgoings in recent years, the amount of money they've got for Kante, um, Drinkwater, Mares, and obviously Maguire. Even though they've not really been playing at a level as high as they have been recently, perhaps, there's still been a stability about them that some of the big clubs should certainly aspire to. And if they win at Old Trafford on, on Saturday, I think it's it's fair to say that they've, you know, they've established themselves as... as, as well, I think a lot of people would already say they're contenders to get in the top six anyway. Dom, who would you say is the, the biggest miss for United going into this weekend? Would you say, it may, it, I mean, if you've got to say Wan-Bissaka, Pogba, Marshall? There's arguments for them all, isn't there? Um, I mean, I think if Wan-Bissaka's out, I think he'll be, he'll be... <laughs> I think Wan-Bissaka would be a, a huge miss because I've been really impressed with the way that he's come in and just looked like a United player, looked like he belongs uh, playing in front of that crowd looks after the ball well, he's looked good hasn't he so maybe he isn't a United player maybe that's the problem I, I mean I'm talking a United player here not uh, the last a few not last few months United player um, I think Wan-Bissaka is, is, is a miss also because Dallow's unavailable because I would be, I would like to see uh, Dallow at some point uh, this season. I've touted him in a, in a couple of articles for maybe a, a role on the right wing, which is another area where United are severely lacking. And there's just there's so few candidates sticking their hand up for that role at the moment, especially when you throw in the injuries. Um, obviously, Dan James is going to play on the left and uh, Rashford through the middle in the absence of Martial. Um, I think Pogba's going to be the biggest miss ultimately. Like Samuel said, the midfield just looks like it's got gaping holes in it uh, without him. And McTominay is the leader of that midfield. I think it's it's premature to be uh, to be relying on him in any way. The only thing I think maybe goes in United's favour is that United have so few ball players that they're going to have to sit in a little bit and play on the counter attack. Leicester have got ball players: Tillemans, Madison, Perez, if he plays. So United really, they should approach this game like they're the away team and then counter-attack through James, Rashford, Greenwood if he if he starts. That's what I would go with as my front three. That's probably not going to happen because it's Old Trafford and, and Leicester will probably be a bit smarter than that. But that that's honestly the best way of getting a result, I think. Yeah, we'll get on to maybe the more tactical look later on. But as Dom said there... Like Daniel James, he's going to have a a lot of pressure on his shoulders now. He's gone from maybe being the player who was sort of the the wild card in the team and he didn't know what to expect to, as Dom said, the one they're going to be relying on maybe for the goals, the top goal scorer this season for them. And after a good international break, he will be ready to go again. But again, as Dom said, it's only on that left-hand side that he seems to have shined so far. Yeah, uh, somebody couldn't comprehend why... 
I suggested that Rashford, if, if Marshall was fit, that Rashford's place would be in jeopardy because James play on the left wing and they said, well, you slacking James off at, at Wolves. Well, yeah, I was because he was playing on the right wing and he was poor on the right wing against Palace until, guess what, he was actually switched to the left. With with Sanchez going and Marsh as the number nine and Rashford wanting his free role, they've kind of justified that even though they, the right-sided forward was absolutely essential in the summer and they didn't bother buying one. Uh, so it's not as problematic and it doesn't feel, that issue doesn't feel as lopsided as it did last year or certainly when Sanchez came in and, and upset the apple cart there. But also James is going to come up against a much better right back in, in Pereira this weekend. Um, I was a little, I wasn't surprised as such, but I mean, United gave his, his goal of the month for the one at Southampton when I thought the, the Palace one was better in that it seemed like a more difficult finish. He had to curl it. There was a bit more technique about it. Whereas I don't know what Southampton were thinking where you're coming up against his left winger who's right footed and you just show him inside and guess what? He's he's punished you a second later. So it's it's a big test for him because it's the first game he's probably coming in where everybody is actually expecting an awful lot from him. And of course, scoring in Wales and in midweek as well. Again, it was a very similar goal to some of the goals he scored for United. It's it's unfair on him. If he's crap this weekend, he, he, he doesn't deserve a kicking. Um, he, he was poor against Wolves, but I think that was more a case of Solskjaer prematurely promoting him and then playing him out of position. I think you've, you've, you've got to play to your strengths there. And it's already clear that he's left winger and for the time being anyway, that there's not a contender in that squad that's going to, that's going to lay a glove on him. I guess the other problem as well that United have this weekend, not only with their attacking line, but which fullbacks play as well, Dom, especially with the, uh, the dilemma. I see Marcus Rojo. Yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, Marcus Rojo played left-back a few times, pre-season was okay. Ashley Young played left-back as well in pre-season, actually looked quite good. And maybe even on form, some people would say Young's been the best left-back performer for United this season, ahead of short. But uh, who would you go with at the backs? Um, I'd, I'd cross everything and hope that Aaron Wambasaka is fit but no I think I think Rojo would you risk Wambasaka then even if he's not fully fit what do you think uh, well I think I think I might do actually because I think this is a much more important game uh, than the Europa League game coming up against Astana and uh, obviously there's a League Cup coming up as well I think this is the United's most important game of the next few really um, the, the way of looking at it I think you just touched upon it there is that uh, the Leicester game the West Ham game those are like the two major games within a two-week period because they play, after West Ham is it Arsenal, they play in the league. Yeah. And that's the Monday night game. So that's quite a lot of time to preserve players and not really rush them back in at all. So Some people may have risk. to be rushed though, maybe yeah, yeah. for a game like this. And obviously Solskjaer said that he was looking at um, Mata, Matic and Young to come in, which I understand actually as, as much as some fans may question that because he's obviously wants the likes of Gomez, Greenwood, Garner to, to come in uh, in the, the Europa League games. games. Yeah. yeah, so that's why we may not see them this week, this weekend despite the clamour um, that there will be from fans. So from a point of view maybe as a fan, would you... Ru- Oh, I guess. Do you think it's more beneficial for the youngsters to play against Astana and win, or play against Leicester and lose? <laughs> Astana and win, probably, because even if they do okay against Leicester, 
um, there's a chance that well United will bring back some of the other big big first team stars uh, Wan-Bissaka and Pogba are automatic picks Martial's an automatic pick so if you bring in someone like uh, James Garner into the midfield to replace Pogba for the league game Pogba's going to come back when he's fit so it's better just to say listen you do what you can in the Europa League we back you in those games um, and then the league games have to be prioritised around them yeah that's, Simple as that. We'll that's my formula. Yeah, <laughs> Send see, it to Ollie. See what has to happen. But while we're on team selection, I think it's probably a good time to give you a teaser today. And this is a teaser which I think will be quite doable for, for one of you. I'm looking at you, Samuel. Um, that's so yeah. harsh, Rich. That's harsh. Dom, you can go first. It's, it's quite <laughs> myself under pressure now. I think it's quite an easy one. Definitely one you can guess with. Um, but yeah, today's half-time teaser is United beat Leicester twice in the league last season. Who are the seven players who started both games? We'll be back for this short break. Hello and welcome back to the Manchester is Red podcast and the Manchester Evening News. Just before the break, I left Dom and Samuel with the teaser question. United beat Leicester twice in the league last season, but which seven players started both league matches? Dom? We're just going to do one each. We bounce back and I forth. one each. I'd like to see you start and you can go for as easy as you want to begin with. Uh, De Gea. Correct. Sanchez. Correct. Lindelof. Correct. Pogba. Correct. Rashford. Correct. Shaw. Correct. Six out of six. Is that one more to get? To complete the (laughs) clean sweep. I think, yeah, I think I know. We've had... Go on. Young. Bye. There it is. On penalties, sudden death, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> on the first day, Darmian, oh. Fred, Pereira, Mata all played, and then in the second one, Young, Herrera, Matic, Lingard. It was that World Cup hangover. But indeed, I when I researched that, I was surprised that Sanchez started both matches. Yeah, that, that's the quirk. I think yeah. that second one that's a bit of a surprise. I guess it made. It was sense. dreadful in that second game. Yeah, as well. I read your ratings. Don't <laughs> worry, I saw that last game at the, at the King Power. United started like an absolute house on fire. From what I remember, Rashford scored. Yeah, and then Pogba ball to Russia. It was yeah, it was, in it was a good goal. goal. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a, a great goal. goal. Uh, but they were pegged back at the end. Yeah, I can't remember. And then, yeah, I got it all mixed up. I remember that the, the Harry Maguire header. Yes. Two days before Christmas, was that in? Oh, the yeah, the season? the season before last, yeah. Uh, two days before Christmas. The game, there was that uh, screenshot of them when they had a three-on-one because Rashford came on oh, and just good. did all he could to prevent United from winning the game. Yeah, that was... Uh, good times. Yeah. <laughs> Good times, but yeah, some of you were at the uh, pre-match press conference today as well. The injury news being high on the agenda. The uh, next big question was about David De Gea's future at the club. As we reported in the summer, there was agreement over a contract extension at the club. He's still not signed it. United's dip in form obviously leads some to say he's just not going to sign it at all and he'll be going yeah. to PSG next summer. But what is the latest with David De Gea at the moment? It's it's a peculiar one because... I mean, I saw like one of the United fan I follow who quote tweeted something that one of the sites, the Parasite Twitter accounts decided to regurgitate from Spain. And it said that there's been absolutely no development on De Gea's contract in recent months. Now, you and I both know from that talk that that's complete nonsense. Um, One, the source of the De Gea agreement story, uh, which obviously we can't divulge. And also United actually backed it up. I think we had two separate stories, one from United, one from uh, the source that, that that gave us the, the six-year story. So, and the fact that United backed that up, I think we all just thought, okay, that 
that seems like it's it's done and dusted. De Gea then came out in Singapore and he spoke to the press uh, there and he said that he wanted to be the captain this season. Of course, he got the ca- he's pretty much the first team captain now. And we've just been waiting, you know, okay, when's this announcement going to happen? And are they going to give us a fresh sheet uh, with a press release uh, on, on, a, on a Friday morning at Carrington like they did with Ashley Young and Phil Jones, these other esteemed players? And it's just gone on and on and on um, which isn't a surprise when you look at it in that United have been negotiating with De Gea's representatives for the best part of two years I can understand why given that they're not in great form that he's maybe pressed pause at the moment and thought actually I might like a rethink especially when one of his you know, best mates in football has gone to PSG banked a big payday gone on a free contract as well uh, PSG were the club that made an offer to De Gea in the summer. I think the fact that they signed Kalor Navas doesn't make a whole great of difference as to well, whether they want to. Get... As well in as well, didn't they, I think. Yeah, exactly. So. Who was awful for Fulham was last season, wasn't he? Um, so I think PSG kind of similar to, to Bayern Munich and bringing in Coutinho and Perisic on loan with a view to getting going back in for Sane next year, are keeping their options open there. I think Juventus are obviously a club that you you'd look at and think, well, they're brilliant at signing freebies. Where could they strengthen their first team? It's obviously in goal because De Gea's an upgrade on Chesney and Buffon. So De Gea's got some desirable options out there. The flip side to it is that United have been clearly preparing in the event he does go in that Romero's contracted till 2021. I think this is the longest he's spent with a European club, which is Slightly surprising because he went out of the Argentina squad last year, but he clearly is is, is happy at United. Dean Henson's on a, a longer contract now. That was sort of in July. He's getting regular Premier League football. He's probably going to get in the England squad at some point this season as well. So there's an alternative there. And then someone like Jan Oblak, who's been interested in going to United in recent years, I think would probably still be interested in going to United because... It's it's a big payday. It'd be a be it would be a significant uh, wage hike on what he's on at Atletico Madrid. So there's so many nuances um, to it. I think from De Gea's perspective, he's got to be careful that if he plays so badly, Juventus and PSG might think, no, actually, we'd rather not now. Exactly. I think I know maybe they want a free transfer, but why Juventus not want a black of a De Gea if they, if they did well exactly if, if they wanted to buy a keeper yeah, anyway so. Yeah. Absolutely. So he, he could end up just being stuck at United if, if his form deteriorates. And United, I think, from, could look at it, relax, look, we've got nine years out of you, you're going, we've tried to get you to sign a new contract, you've said no, we've been making plans for a replacement. We could have had just four years out of you if it wasn't for the fax machine. We've probably had the best years of your career. Nine years, great, thank you, go. Um the trouble is for United is that they have to sell Paul Pogba next year unless something drastically changes because he will have one year left in his contract. I know he'll have the plus one option, but his resale value deteriorates and they should be getting comfortably uh, nine figures for him. They were talking about in excess of 150 million in the summer. That will go down over the course of time. So you're not, I mean, it. It's bad enough for United because I don't think their stock had ever been as low in the summer as it had been in, in decades. If next year De Gea leaves on the free and Pogba is sold, that's just 
that, that's colossally bad because what incentive do players have to go there now? You, you start to have to look lower down the food chain. I mean, the whole British transfer strategy was kind of convenient in that Harry Maguire, Daniel James, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, it's not difficult to sell United to those players. But United want to get back to winning trophies, get back into the Champions League. You need big players to have that lure. And Pogba, for all his faults, he was named in the PFA Team of the Year last year because fellow professionals respect him and admire him an awful lot. And they want to play with him. A lot of them do. But if he's not there and De Gea's not there, and it's a sinking ship and you've gone out of the top, you've not only gone out in the top four, but hypothetically they could go out of the top six. It's, you know, it's, it's starting to look like an end of day scenario. But I think that the, the Pogba and De Gea situations are, are very different um, in that I don't think it would be a complete disaster for United if De Gea left. No, I, di- I didn't say that. No, no. But, that, but, but, but the fact that you made the point is, about his form, which is, I think is a very salient point that his form needs to, Buck up, really. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. But it's it's almost like from an appearances perspective, if he is still, he's not been in the last six months, but over the last five years, he's probably been the, the best goalkeeper in the world or four years, four and a half years, whatever. He's still got the cachet in the PSG like him. You could easily see him going to Juventus as well. It that's That's a sign of someone who's still among the elite goalkeepers. If United are losing him, having sold Lukaku, because he wanted, I know Lukaku wants to go, it's a very different case there, but it is another big player. It's that, you know, I think at the start of the summer, you'd have probably said Sanchez, Pogba, Lukaku, De Gea, they're the the starry players, if you like. Um, Marshall, to a lesser extent, but he signed a new contract early in the year. So it, it really is that appearances case for it for United. I mean, they could qualify for the Champions League and De Gea might still go, in which case you think, okay, there's not too much to worry about. There are so many variables with it and it's such a nuanced situation that it wouldn't surprise me if he signs a new contract. It wouldn't surprise me if he goes. Um, the problem, like you say, is is the is United's cachet in the market and whether they'll be able yeah. to bring in people of high enough calibre yeah. so that Pogba and De Gea aren't sorely missed, which at the moment they really would be, wouldn't they? That's I mean, enough saying, because lots of fans I think have sort of changed their tune a little bit on De Gea and said he isn't irrepla- irreplaceable. He used, to, he used to be irreplaceable. Yes, now he's he not. Is, yeah. But the fact is, if you don't qualify for the Champions League, he might become a bit irreplaceable because what you like or not, Dean Henson's not the same calibre as goalkeeper. And I think, think Oblak would join if that during the Europa League. Um... I'd save my money on our black and I'd, I'd promote Henderson and I'd, I'd make sure Pogba's properly replaced by two or three quality midfielders. I think that that should be more of a priority for United, to be honest. I think you I think our black would be tempted. There was there were a bit of um, there was a bit of discontent there when after he signed the Atletico contract, there were all those players left, and I think his agents um, kicked off about that and claimed promises had been broken, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. But Atletico could have a really good season and might win La Liga. I don't think they will, but there's that outside chance. And suddenly he might think, actually, I I want to stay here because this is a competitive team and going for the Champions League and whatnot. Again, it's it's, it's so hard to kind of like see see ahead with, with this one because there are so many variables. But it has got to the point now with De Gea's form that it's not... It, it, it's not going to be a disaster. Whereas had he gone, I mean, 
the way they handled it in 2014-15 was amateurish and dismal. And of course, what happened was they 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 almost ended up selling him and would have done, but the fax machine malfunctioned and they'd have been getting a significantly inferior goalkeeper, even though he was very successful at Real Madrid. I'd say that was by virtue of Ronaldo, yeah. Modric, Cruz, Bale as well, of the course. Ryan Ramos in front of you. Exactly, like, yeah. Easy. It's not bad, is it? But Dom, you touched upon there that maybe if Pog was to go, you'd want to get some quality midfielders in and one player, you know, I'm considering James Madison might get his Old Traf- Trafford audition on Saturday. Uh, what do you make of James Madison as a player? Is he the type of player that you can excuse he is young, he is British, but he is quality? Yeah, the younger British thing doesn't matter when you're talking about some of the players that are being talked about with United. Um, Madison is one. Jaden Sancho is obviously another. United fans would absolutely snap their hand off of both of those players at the moment. Madison, I think, has come from absolutely nowhere to, to light up the Premier League as he did last season. I actually saw him um, playing for Norwich uh, against Cardiff a couple of seasons ago when I was covering Cardiff and I thought I thought he was good but he looked a little bit lightweight. I thought maybe he won't cut it um, in the Premier League but I was completely wrong and what Madison is going to show I think against United tomorrow is something United completely lack which is a playmaker who is energetic enough to do the pressing, to do the, the defensive uh, doggy work as well, but but then get pop up in the right positions to to cut open a defence. Mata doesn't quite have the legs for that anymore. United fans will hope Angel Gomez turns into that one day. Um, United are completely lacking a, someone with his craft and his vision, really. So I'm looking forward to seeing him in action. Although, obviously, from United's point of view, you hope he doesn't create too much uh, havoc in the in the back line. Yeah, well, it was his debut on the first day last season where he was yeah. very impressive. Played quite well, didn't he? Yeah. I remember he got picked out by Sky Sports. I think he gave an interview after the game as well. I think they sort of gave him... Man, well, Leicester's man of the match. I'm just going to give it to him. Leicester's interviewee of yeah, the match. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was it was ridiculous. He was unused in the two England games. I mean, Southgate seems to have a got to play Ross Barkley like fixated on, on Ross Barkley, who <sighs> just it was the, never the, the, the pe- when pe- it was good. I don't think it's the case with Ross Barkley that the penny's ever going to drop. I don't think a, there's a penny there for him anyway. He's just what you see is what you get and unfortunately for him he's been playing that way for five or six years and it's must be about eight years ago since he actually made his Premier League debut as well 2012 2011, 2012 I think yeah I like Barkley anyway move on (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you mentioned there as well uh, Dom but this guess is both of you that someone like Angel Gomez I saw some fans on Twitter saying that why do we need Madison? Madison might be good, but Angel Gomes will be just as good if we give him a run in the first team, which you can kind of say, yeah, until he's got... But then there are an equal number of fans who, who say, demand just, United must sign X, Y and Z, so you can't really difficult. win. Yeah, you can't win. You're sorry for Solskjaer sometimes, don't you? But uh, talking about youngsters, obviously there's the under-23 game tonight, so most of this will become maybe redundant on who will play, but if you were in charge, which youngsters would you have in the squad, at least, for the uh, for the Leicester game, and which ones would you start? Before Samuel goes, I'd suggest Brandon Williams, because I've been impressed with his performances in the under-23s as a right-footed uh left back who's probably uh, ready to take over from another right footed left back in uh, Ashley Young uh, I'd like to see more of him I'm not sure we will at this stage to be honest because obviously Young's got the captain's armband um, 
Well, he's really impressed me whenever I've seen the under-23s. And Dylan Levitt, as you uh, well know, Rich, is a staunch Wales supporter. Mm-hmm. He's, he's an exciting prospect coming through. One day play for us as well, Rob. <laughs> but we'll, we'll hold on to that. He's like James Madison of Wales then. Yeah. I, th- I think... I actually think Greenwood will start just because of... Yeah. I mean, if he plays Pereira on the right after so how he like played against yeah. Southampton. Um, and Greenwood actually came on and, and played quite it? well. Yeah, Gunn gun made, uh, made a decent save. Um, I, I'd expect one of Chong or Gomez to, to at least make the bench. I don't think you can't... It's, it's difficult to finish none place. of them not yeah. being on the, either of them uh, sorry both of them not being on the bench uh, I, I would like to see Williams in, in the squad I, I have my doubts I think Rojo's kind of he's got his he's, he's got back into the fold if you like he was on the bench against Southampton and played for Argentina in the week but he's, he's still deadwood at least in the sum you know next year you can say he's only got one year left on his contract so unless they give him another extension well, well, that's that's complete, completely possible the way they go about uh, handing out contracts at the club maybe another squad number demotion might, uh, yeah. might send another message well, promotion number seven uh, well yeah maybe so you know as Rojo number seven would be good but I guess final point prediction Samuel you've already sort of hinted that you're expecting it to be a narrow defeat for United tomorrow, shall we say? Yeah, I'm, unfortunately for United, I, I think they'll lose 2-1. Tom? I'm going to be ultra positive and, and say what I said before about the counter-attacking and how that might suit United if they get pace on the break. So I'm going to say 2-1 United. I said 2-1. I think Leicester will dominate, be the better team. And United will get two goals, Jeremy, on the break. One from a set piece and one... What's Solskjaer going to say then? Because every, after every game so far, he said that he thought United played well. Yeah. So played I think they need, an, bad, they need yeah. an ugly win rather than playing well and not getting a win. He was disgusted with their winning performance or something, but who knows? <laughs> we shall wait and see. But we'll see what the mood's like next week when we join you and we will see what happened at Old Trafford this weekend. We will preview that glamour tie in the Europa League, which I'm sure you're all oh, yes. losing sleep over already. Uh, Samuel and Dom, thank you very much for joining thank us. You. Thank you. Uh, please do join us again next time on the Manchester is Red podcast. Please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we will see you again next time.